just think we were prepared. You know, one thing my, uh, my trainer, he told me, he said, what did he say? He just told us to be prepared. It's always doubt with us every year. It's like, oh, well, the Saints can't do this because something or, you know, Drew's gone and it. I, I don't, I'm the wrong person to ask because I don't care. And I'm coming in every year thinking we're going to beat the shit. What up? Welcome back to Black and Gold BS, the irreverent Saints podcast from Boot Crew Media. We're also now a vehemently anti-referee podcast. Um, we are, as always, presented by Hornitos Tequila. I'm Jacob Krasno, alongside Sean Haspel and Allison Whitlock. And uh, oh my God, <laughs> what <laughs> did we witness yesterday? Saints beat the Bucks 36 to 27 in what I think is like the most cathartic win since 2018 when Michael Thomas pulled out the Joe Horn phone. But uh, yeah, what do you guys think? How are you feeling today? Yeah, I, I mean, mean, it's speechless. Like the game was just such a massive, massive swing of emotions. I mean, from like getting down seven nothing after a Sean Payton like classic like like uber aggressive gamble from our own, what was it, 44-yard line, and Jameis tying it back up with, like, a dime of a throw. And then, like, I mean, we'll talk about this a lot later in the pod, but that throw ended up being perhaps his last throw as a New Orleans Saint when he, like, suffered the devastating injury, which we now know was a torn ACL with some MCL damage as well. Um, and and then Trevor Simeon, uh, for better or for worse, scored – 22 points on uh, the defending Super Bowl champs to lead us to a win. Um, capped off by uh, an awesome FU Tom Brady interception. Um, I just. It was like even. So I woke up this morning and watched. We'll get to the pick six to cap it all off, but that's just like a burst of energy if you ever need it. Just rewatch that clip a few times in the morning. But also I thought it was so interesting. Like Simeon did his stat line read like a Jameis stat line, to be honest, like under 200 yards of throwing, like 60 ish percent completion, one touchdown. Like he did a great job managing the game. We know the yeah. defense won the game for us, but he had such success with like second string receivers and like the fullback, which is actually like ironically interesting. Like that's who he's practicing with. And these guys like, Kevin White <laughs> had another catch since like 2018, right. like being the lead receiver. Like it was just like so scrappy of us. And then we've talked about this. It's been a theme of the year and it. Now we know with the James injury will continue to be a theme. The defense is what we can count on. And so like, it just flips on its head, like being able to count on the offense, but all this, this win taught me among other things is that this team is committed to winning. However, we have to win. And I think we were texting on the last drive and I was like, the defense is going to win the game. Like you we knew it all it. along. I did. I was literally manifesting it like this, like zenning it. <laughs> I love that. Um, but you know, it is the theme and it's going to have to carry us all the way through, but I more than ever believe in this team, the way that they rebounded from that. I, I don't think any other saints team has done that. Like you at first, Sean, were comparing it to the Rams game which it felt like at first, right? It just felt so hopeless and dark. Like, like how are we going to claw out of this, especially in the third quarter when they were like, we'll get to the, the ref shaming and we'll have a special Troy Aikman shaming section as well. But it really felt like out of reach there and like, okay, like the theme of this week is going to be like, what do we do now with the rest of our year? And now I just feel, and Champagne negative today too, like we're fine. We're good. The unit we yeah. have is good. Like I, I texted you this this to you guys yesterday, but I feel like if we fielded a like a a broomstick with like a bucket for a head at quarterback, like we would probably just have just as good of a chance <laughs> as if it was Jameis or Simeon or or Taysom Hill. Yeah, it doesn't really matter. The defense is amazing. This like Sean keeps saying, like, we're through the looking glass. This is like not the same yeah. like breeze Peyton team that we're used to. And it hasn't really been that way for like, a couple of years, but this year it's like, you know, I wrote about this in right. my, my article, like we're so 
far down the rabbit hole that we're like looking at the world through like the rabbit's mouth. Like that's yeah. how far down the rabbit hole we are. It's just a totally new reality and it's fun and unpredictable. Um, but you know, also a little sad, sad for Jameis. Like he, I, I don't know. I mean, it's, it was, it's really just kind of like the best of times, worst of times situation, because obviously we're thrilled with the win. Um, but I mean, yeah, let's, let's talk about Jameis Winston. Um, I mean, this was like his year to, his like year of redemption. And like, he wasn't, per- I mean, Peyton said in his preference presser today, he wasn't perfect. He like made some mistakes, but um, on, on the field, I should say. But um, the biggest question like we had as fans and I'm sure the team had internally and like the football community had about Jameis Winston being given the reins as a starter for the Saints this year would be like, could he not be the turnover machine that he was the last time he was a full-time starter uh, back in 2019 when he had that infamous 30 and 30 season? And by like literally every like perception, every like, definition of the term, he isn't that guy anymore or wasn't that, that guy anymore. He only had four turnovers in uh, what ended up being seven total games. Um, and I think he finished with 15 total touchdowns um, counting yesterday's performance. So um, he was a, a, a plus quarterback and um you just heart goes out to him and who knows what his future holds. Uh, they have, it's, it's so early in the process. They haven't even put a timeline on his recovery. So um, will he be ready for training camps next year? Probably not hundred percent. So some team, whether it's us or someplace else, will have to basically give him another one year leap of faith kind of deal. I'd presumably to be a backup at this point. And um, hopefully he gets another shot somewhere else. I mean, he's still, he'll be 28 next season so he still in theory has a lot of uh years left a lot of tread on his tires to be a um productive nfl quarterback it's crazier things have happened so but um you you gotta feel for the guy i mean flash forward to the locker room celebration dude has a like transformer sized brace on his leg that we now know is was his knee was completely devastated and he's out here like freaking getting down on his crutches in the club 504 videos with the rest of his teammates. And um, I mean, the, the team, the team loves him. They rallied around him. You could I was tell, gonna say like yeah. when he got hurt and they're all going in the blue tent, like I right. feel like you don't really see that. And no, I, I agree with you. We don't know what the, the injury holds it. It's not as shattering as Teddy Bridgewater's when he was a Viking, but like, it reminds me of like, that path where you kind of have to like reset and see what happens. Like unless you have a miraculous recovery, like the Joe Burrows of the world, but like you can't like count on that. Right. But the locker right. room loved him. And like, I'd feel like that's something that this team in particular really values. So we'll see what happens at the end of the year, but either way it's, it is devastating for yeah. him. Yeah. And yeah. And hopefully you can go ahead, Jacob. Like seeing Jameis like dance on the the crutches, like it's like oh that's why he's so great. Like I love seeing stuff like that. That's what makes this team special. But it also is like it's a sad image. Like yeah. it makes you wonder like what what we could have had, you know, had he not been hurt. But I think he's like reached, you know, he's he's surpassed Bridgewater like a Bridgewater level of like infamy. In Saints yeah, lore. definitely. Like, even if he never plays another down again, like he is now Saints legend, Jameis Winston. He will be beloved forever for what he did. Yeah, they have similar, like, I don't know, energies maybe is not the right word, but I always think of like Teddy was like biking around New Orleans, like while he was like a starting quarterback when Drew was hurt. But you always had in the back of your head, like Drew's coming back. And like the fact that yeah. Drew wasn't coming back and we trusted Jameis and like he really delivered in like a time of like true uncertainty. And like, I still like, I don't know how you guys feel about this. This is like a whole other section we should discuss. But, like I woke up today being like, God, they're going to just fucking like give us what we deserve, which is like all the credit in the world. No, no one still wants to give us like really any credit. It's like a fluke win and like all this bullshit, which like I don't appreciate, but like 
we know the odds that we were up against. Like, not only did we lose Drew, who we had for 15 years, the hurricane people don't even talk about anymore. It was our second home game. Yeah. This year against the defending world champions. And like, say what you want, like outside of the third quarter, which had some very questionable calls. And if that Fournette fumble stayed a fumble, I'm telling you, it would have been more like Jacob's predicted score than what it ended up being. But like, we deserve, Sean Payton should be coach of the year, period. Yeah. Like, it's end of story. And that's, that's why I agree with you, Jacob, like folklore, like you had so many eyes on you and like, what did we want? Like to replace your breeze, like impossible. And like somehow like exceeded the expectations. And like, it's so sad that this is how it ended, but you're right. It cements him in this like special place, regardless of if he ever wears black and gold again. He's going to be on some dirty coast shirts. Like no doubt. Um, Yeah. For sure. I do think regarding his future, it's probably like more likely than not that, you know, if I had to handicap it, it's like 51% that Jameis comes back on some sort of like similar discount deal, which is like sad for the player, but for the fans and the team, like, yeah, like we should take him back on a cheap deal if that opportunity presents itself and if he's physically ready to play. Um, you know, it's fun to speculate about a Deshaun Watson trade or a Russell Wilson trade or Aaron Rodgers, but like, I just don't, unless one of those players gets released, like, I don't see us giving up the assets that it would take to acquire someone like that. Definitely not. Like, there's a reason why the Texans can't work out a deal with these teams like the Panthers and the Eagles that have multiple first round picks or the Dolphins who have like a young quarterback into it to my like the Texans are just asking too much. And I don't think it's, you know, if, if the Seahawks or the Packers end up putting their quarterbacks on the block, like the asking price isn't going to be that much different, especially because they've won Super Bowls. So yeah. it's probably going to be Jameis back next year. Yeah. Uh, I would yeah. love it. God. Yeah. Could you imagine, man, if like, if they don't give Sean Payton coach of the year, if we're able to scrap out like a fifth straight division win with everything that's happened this season, like, even a playoff berth, like who yeah. else, like truthfully, this is like right. a useful discussion. Like who else is in the running? Like right. the only other example I can think of is like, if the Pats win the East, which they're not going to like, right. they're starting yeah, the to bills look good, exist, but like, so I mean, I just like, don't really think yeah. that there's like a another option. Right. I think there is um, another there's another candidate in in the AFC and it's Zach Taylor. If the Bengals keep winning and if Burrow has like an MVP caliber season, which yeah. he's trending in that direction, then I think he's the only real He should become that player of the year though. Like Yeah. Like and yeah, I mean, Jamar Taylor should be Jamar Chase yeah. should be offensive rookie of the year where yeah. like Sean Payton is beating Tom Brady with Trevor Simeon. Like they're just yeah. like two different things. Right, yeah. Like I agree with you that that has the optics that the NFL probably would rather. That's and true. he hasn't won coach of the year before, whereas Sean Payton has, but like they're different things. Like you have fucking Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase, like dancing all over. I mean, granted they just had a quite embarrassing loss. So let's just, that's another sidebar, but like, right that to me speaks more of the talent he's working with versus our story is like, we still scored 35 points. Fucking Trevor Simeon. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. Oh, I agree with you. I'm, I'm on your side, but I mean, the NFL hates us. So, I mean, who knows? Yeah. We'll see. Yeah. They all suck. (laughs) Well, speaking of sucking, um, you guys, I didn't have quite as much of an issue with the officiating in this game as y'all did, but it wasn't because a lot of calls went the Saints way. There was a big one that didn't in the fumble that got overturned, but we got a lot of roughing the passer calls. And so we did, holding. but at the same time, like I, I like am imploring all of these Bucks fans that are like, oh, like the refs were on the Saints side. Like specifically, which of the calls that you guys got penalized for, do you disagree with? Like yeah. they all 
were like in the Devin White like taunting call. Like, yeah, it's a shitty rule, but they've been calling that like every time this year. Like, that is the rule this year. And like you just like can't do that. And like every one of those roughing passes, roughing the passers, sorry, Troy Aikman, like was very legitimate, and including the one that they picked up too, the Indomitian Sioux one. So like I just for the roughing the passer stuff, like flip it around and uh if it had been Tom Brady getting those hits like 10 times absolutely so no no sympathy there like the Bucks were like undisciplined unfocused and like arguably dirty yesterday so like I like I don't care like I mean they should have played uh cleaner football they shouldn't have been minus three in the turnover column um if they want to like complain about anything so like also the amount of times we've had it not go our way in the penalty. Like, I just don't care. And I like, don't care. And they still made egregious errors that almost cost us the game. So mm-hmm. like, I, again, yeah, again, like we'd have to get that game of like, let's remove the fumble. All the other calls kind of going the saints away from a penalty perspective, not to say that the bucks didn't commit those penalties, but to say that they favored the saints. We'd have to get that every single fucking game for like a decade. For me to be like, okay, Preach. now maybe you can say something about calls. And and going back uh, um, to Devin White's horse collar that like ended the Jameis Winston era in New Orleans. Um, I'm gonna get back on my soapbox here and like go back to the rant I had when Taysom Hill got knocked out by the uh, so uh, one of the Redskins or Washington football teams. DBs. Um, Yikes, we're going to get canceled again. We're going to get canceled. Oh my gosh. Uh, but it's, it's like a very like simple calculus in my head to me that if you knock a player out while committing a personal foul against that player, you should be ejected for that game. Like for the simple reason that like the risk reward of the, of the dynamic get penalized for 15 yards and like maybe be fined later after the game or knock out potentially the best player um, or the head of the snake of the opposing team. Like you're going to like in theory pick the 15 yards and potential fine every time. It's just, it's yeah. just absolutely worth it for that opposing player. And Devin white, I don't think he was intentionally trying to injure Jameis Winston. I don't think that. But like that tackle is out. That type of tackle is outlawed for a reason because it is so dangerous and it's reckless. And like, not to use hyperbole, but there's a reason why there's a difference between murder and manslaughter because your intent doesn't. I mean, intent does matter. But you can, if you cause real damage to a person because of your like recklessness or negligence, you still get in trouble for that and potentially like severely. So, and the same applies in the football field. I mean. Like we talked about last time, I feel like I have deja vu, but college football and the targeting rule is, has a lot of problems and like it's, it's people get kicked out when they shouldn't be. But at the same time, if a dude is head hunting and knocks a guy unconscious, they kick him out of the game. And that I guess sometimes happens in the NFL, right? The guys have guys, didn't they put that rule in a couple years ago that they can throw a guy out for illegal hits like that but i don't um, know i've never seen that I, maybe i'm maybe i'm misremembering but i feel like that's like a no-brainer especially when the league being as as horny as it is for player safety i feel like this is a no-brainer because like is devin white gonna like think next time before he horse collars someone about the Jameis hit i don't think so but like if he gets ejected and like has a like a game check find or something like that then maybe maybe he changes his tackling style. So, um, and same goes for the Washington Football Team's DB who knocked out Taysom like that. So, um, I don't know. That's that's my soapbox, but uh, I think I think it makes a lot of sense. But but it's the NFL, so we know they'll never do the thing that makes sense. No, uh, whether Devin White intended to hurt Jameis or not, I mean, the bottom line is he's uh, he's canceled. He's dead to us. He's no longer a hometown hero. His um, horse has been turned into glue. Yeah, take your fucking horse and ride it into the sun, dude. Like, also, it's worth pointing out that he actually was penalized three times for personal fouls in the game, but only one of them 
was of the type that gets you disqualified, and that was the taunting foul. The roughing the passer he got called for, and the horse collar did not count towards disqualification. So that rule's stupid. Um, they need to change that. Yeah, it's wild. Like the Bucks, and like going back to like the in- like incentive for like like bad conduct football field. Uh, they had every incentive to try to knock out Trevor Simeon too, because like we would have had to play they Alvin. Have we we would have uh, Sean Payton said today we would have had to play Alvin at quarterback. So uh, could you imagine if I mean if if that had happened? Like obviously we'll have at the very least uh, Ian Book, if not also Taysom, um, backing up Trevor or whoever going forward. But um, yeah, it was it was it was a mess, and I uh, definitely like don't have very much respect for the Buccaneers um, just in general. So, but congrats to them on their meaningless Super Bowl last year. Um, I also want to put some bad juju out there for Antoine Winfield Jr., mm. who after his interception that got called back because of a roughing the passer call, he, uh, it was very quick. You had to pay attention to it, but the cameras caught him eating a W. Mm -hmm. Um, And this was after obviously Jameis had been knocked out of the game. So fuck you, Antoine Winfield Jr. Literally I hope you. I hope that WUA gives you bad stomach cramps. Yeah. The next time you wear white game pants, you shit in them on national yeah. television. Yeah, Antoine Winfield Jr. is probably salty still about that L we gave his daddy in the 2009 NFC Championship game. So um Hope you have hope you have fun, uh, Antoine. I w- I do want to defend us for a moment. You know, it sounds like we're bullying people, but uh, I feel like we need to hold players and referees accountable for the stupid shit that they do. Mm. Agreed. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. We actually yeah. have integrity for doing that. It's yeah. not bullying. We're um, what what are we uh, if we're not a podcast of integrity? Damn straight. A lot of people had issues with Aikman during this game too. I, I wasn't really like listening to the broadcast. I had I... the most issues with Aikman. Like, I I don't know what it is, and I actually this is a side note, but it's all obviously you guys know this because Jacob, you pointed out that your Dodgers guy was in for Joe Buck because Joe Buck was obviously doing the World Series later that evening. But Joe Buck has really bad juju with Saints games. Like, I have really bad association with him. He's He's commented almost every like horrific loss that I've watched on TV and haven't been at. So like he did the NFC championship, he did Minnesota, like whatever he did a lot of bullshit. And so I was like, Oh wow. Like maybe this is actually like a good thing. Like I, like there's a new person here, like it'll be better energy. And then Aikman, I feel like took this as like a way to like speak his mind more. Like I've never known him to be biased I don't know him, obviously, whatever. I've never noticed him be biased when I'm watching him, which is literally every single week of the past 20 years of my life. But like, I feel like this guy came in and he was like, oh, now I can just like really like show like my heart on for Tom Brady, like the entire time. And it was just baffling. You it you was- like literally heard him sigh when he, the pick six was thrown. Like it almost was as loud as the Superdome. I was like, yo. It was supposed to be objective. It was like, and I think it was just because I wasn't noticing Joe Buck who like really does manage the conversation 90% of the time. It's two of them. But I was just like, yo, like they were hitting the saints like after the whistle and he would be like, it's a clean hit to me, dude. I forget the other guy's name. And just like, that was literally the opposite of clean. It was, it was consistently weird, consistently cringe the entire broadcast. Like, he literally, I don't know if you guys like heard this or recall, but he did this whole soliloquy basically saying like, I, I know you guys, uh, like I just got to say this for a moment, but like Tom Brady is like obviously like the best quarterback like of all time on the field, but also the best quarterback to like ever represent an organization like ever. And it was just, it was extremely weird. And uh, yeah, like he said, Allison, he like didn't agree with like any of the really like any of the like roughing the pass. He also that- really, really believed that Leonard Fournette did not catch the ball, which is just like factually incorrect. Like, yeah, you can, I would have, if he was just like, you know what? It's really tough to say. Cause it was tough to say, yeah. but it was ruled a fumble. So like, even that would have been like, yeah, you know what? I agree. Troy 
tough to say, tough to overturn. Like if it had been ruled an incomplete pass, I would not have been able to say overturn that. But you know what you also couldn't say? Overturn that because it was not obvious. And you're just like, this is clearly an incomplete pass. It's like, yo, yeah. get your mouth off of their dick now. Like that's yeah. not appropriate. Yeah. If 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 I was a less cultured man than I than I am, <laughs> I, I might make a joke about Skip Bayless being right about Troy Aikman mm-hmm. back back in those Dallas days, but I am a cultured man, so I would never make a joke like that. Um, we should circle but, back to the Skip Bayless, Demario Davis exchange on Twitter as well. Excellent transition, Allison. Uh, I don't, Skip Bayless is like not a media personality. No, he's just like a no. he's a, show just, he's a caricature a of barker. what he used to be. Like he's That's just like, a joke. I'm pretty sure that he like doesn't actually have opinions anymore. And there's just, a, I mean, I know there's like a team of writers at yeah. Fox sports or wherever he works and they just write his shit. And he says, yeah, like a, like a, Skip! <laughs> like oh, yeah, Shannon Sharp impression. Skip Bayless hasn't said anything of note in like 20 years, but I digress. But it's, I love uh, Demario. He said, I love uh, Demario for calling yeah, him out with his Demario, own. Demario, I mean, yeah, the Saints, the Petty Saints are the best Saints. Like this team has an edge, and uh, like they know no one's fire. giving them credit, which is the best place yeah. to be. Yeah, I think it was. I think it was like Peter Schrager uh, um, on his like segment in Good Morning Football today said that like you don't just like you're not gonna you might beat the Saints this like version of the Saints team, but you're not gonna like punk them. And like yeah. they have that like us against the world mentality, and I think that's like what we as fans like identify and love so much about them is that they they really are like a, a, a gritty team and just like and like this whole the whole Peyton era has really been defined by like assembling a group of players largely like known as like write offs, cast offs, um, overlooked guys, and Peyton and Loomis and all the rest of the Saints brain trust like finding those traits that are like in these guys and maximizing the shit out of those abilities and um, making guys that you've never heard of like household names before. So um, I don't know. It's, it's just like the latest version of, of, of that, you know? Um, and that us against the world mentality, it, it's defined so much about this era and like we're seeing it manifest now that like, no matter the odds against it, like this team is just going to fight and scrap. And like, it's really awesome to see. It's, it's a really fun team to root for. It's a really fun um, season to root for that team. So, I mean, our, we talked about this. Another theme is just like without Michael Thomas, and we still don't really have a clear view of when he's coming back. Like Mm -hmm. when you think about who Tampa Bay had lining up, to get thrown to from Tom Brady versus who we had lining up to get thrown to from Trey. It's just, it's nuts. Like you're right. It's right. so fun to root for, but it is just like, yeah, it's crazy. I mean, they were missing Antonio Brown and still had two all pro receivers. Um, and Gronk before he got out and Gronk and like OJ Howard, who like hasn't lived up to his draft potential, but still is like, and Cameron great. Cameron who's Braid. like a good tight end. Like handing the ball off to Leonard Fournette, Gio Bernard, two first round picks. Like, I mean, they're absolutely stacked. And their O line's great too. They um, live like Tom Brady just continues to live such a charmed life. And it was just nice yesterday to uh, put a little dent in that uh, knight in shining white armor or whatever. Yes, it was sad that Jameis blew out his knee, but like Saints fans should celebrate this win. It's totally deserved like we're good we are a good team we're a contender no matter who we have a quarterback so like enjoy it and like fuck what the talking heads say but yeah speaking of the talking heads yeah shouts to uh to joe davis the joe buck replacement um he's awesome he's the the dodgers tv play-by-play guy who replaced vin scully and he's really good um I sort like of him, like, to be clear. I just yeah. didn't like Troy Aikman. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, Troy Aikman needs to be put out to pasture. Um, but Joe Davis is like a young guy, and he's been doing this for like almost 10 years already. And he like he's he's like if Joe Buck actually like cared about the games he was calling. Like you could just like feel the excitement in like Joe Davis's voice 
Um, but I don't know. For me personally, he was after hearing him call like hundreds of Dodgers games, it was like really cool to hear him call like a big Saints game. Um, so that was neat. Uh, yeah, won that neat. discussion on a positive note. Oh, no, I was going to say, I just saw a tweet that the Bucks have only beaten one team with a winning record, and the Jets have beaten two. So it's fun. Wow. Well, I was going to say, also, they have the fucking easiest schedule ahead, basically, besides when they play us again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We have the first place schedule, and they don't. So lucky them. Yeah. Okay, so I guess the next question is, like, where does the team go from here with the quarterback situation? And like, I am, I was like pretty impressed with Trevor Simeon. Um, kind of like you were saying earlier, Sean, he, he sort of like came into the game and like the moment was like not too big for him. And he just executed the offense like guns blazing and like didn't give a fuck that it was like the Buccaneers that were on the other side of the football. And if he plays like that every week, then we're going to be just fine. But like, what do you guys think? Like, are we rolling with Trevor? Do we start Hill? Are we bringing in somebody from the outside? Like what, what does Sean Payton do? Well, Simeon played well too, because there were no turnovers. So like the thing that scares me about Taysom is I feel like he tries to force things a lot because he gets excited about what he can do. Whereas I think like, while it hasn't been, I think Trevor Simeon's last start before, not that he started yesterday, but his last game that he started in was in 2018. But he has started an NFL game before as a quarterback. So, like, I feel like there's some understanding there about decision-making that he has that, to me, is greater than T- Taysom. Plus, Taysom is this whole, like, Swiss Army knife, not to use the media's word for him, but, like, I like that flexibility with Taysom more. And I think, like, We've shown, like Sean Payton mentioned, it's not like Jameis was lighting the world on fire save for the Packers game. So you just need someone in there that can not fuck up and like manage the game. And our run game has been great. And I imagine with Ingram back, we'll continue to lean into that. So like I would lean that way, but like I feel that Sean Payton loves Taysom and like now Taysom's been handed this opportunity and Sean Payton's going to give it to him. That's my gut feeling especially like this weekend, like Taysom did beat the Falcons twice last year um, coming in for Drew and we're playing the Falcons this weekend. So if he is healthy, like I wouldn't be surprised, but like, I think like the more effective move, if we're not going to trade for someone would be to see how Simeon does with like first team reps under his belt, have Taysom who knows how he's actually doing if we're forcing him back from concussion protocol and then, see what's going on, but Sean's just had, has this soft spot where he like truly thinks Taysom Hill is Steve Young. So like, I just am emotionally preparing myself for him to start. Yeah, I completely agree. Allison. I, I think the move um, would, should be, should be to um, see, like build a, build a game plan around Trevor Simeon and uh, accentuate his, his positive traits and try to try to minimize his, his uh, weaker ones. Um, Like you guys both said, he was very decisive, got the ball out pretty quickly, which is something if we remember Taysom Hill has struggled with, which has led to bad sacks and, and and, uh, strip fumbles in the pocket um, at various times in the last couple of years when, when he has played quarterback. So um, I really would prefer to keep him in his role as a skill player. However, um, if if he's our uh, short yardage quarterback and our red zone quarterback, where he can really uh, be a true dual threat guy um, and be that uh, really tough to bring down chain mover and and short yardage um, like goal line score, I'm all for that. So I mean, I I love like I've said in the pod before, I love what he brings with the ball in his hand as a as a skill player, um, and so he really uh, Taysom really shouldn't leave the field um, whether he's uh, being that like gadget quarterback or as a um, fullback tight end uh, slot receiver or whatever we want to call him. That said, like you said, Allison, Sean Payton has that well-renowned soft spot for Taysom Hill. And I would not be surprised if he 
starts at quarterback for us against the Falcons, the team who he did go two and zero against as a starter last year. So, um, so we'll see. Uh, I don't think we're going to bring in a quarterback from the outside. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater is on a one year deal from the with the Broncos, and he's been okay this year. His, his quarterback rating is actually really solid. Um, but uh, I don't know if the Broncos would want to part with him midseason. I mean, they're four and four. They might be sellers. I mean, they just shipped off Von Miller today for a second or third round pick uh, to the Rams. So well, kudos to the Rams for truly going for it this year, but uh, we'll see if that pays off. Hopefully it doesn't, but um, I don't know if Ted, Teddy's even available. I don't even know if, if we would be interested since we do, we did kind of view him as a known, known commodity. Um, but uh, um, yeah, I, I say roll with Trevor Simeon, but get, get Taysom involved. Cause we know uh, Taysom can, can do some really special things with the ball in his hand. Uh, moving the chains and scoring some tough touchdowns. Yeah. I think we all know the smart money is that if Taysom Hill is healthy, he's going to be the starter, even though like we also know that he is definitely like not the quarterback of the future and like probably like Simeon isn't either. So like I was just thinking like, what if there's this crazy, scenario where like everything goes right and we win the super bowl or at least make like some deep playoff run like what do you do with these players that like you know they're not going to be the face of the franchise like what do you like what would you do with Taysom hill if he starts most of the games moving forward plays like well enough for us to win and we end up like being like really 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 good like He's going to want to play quarterback after that. Yeah. Then maybe you trade him. He already clearly wants to play quarterback. Right. So, yeah, that would only get worse if that happened. I feel like that's, like, very much, like, a rich person's problem that, like, oh, like, we just won the Super Bowl. What should we do with our quarter? You know, like, (laughs) I don't know. Like, let's, let's, like, hopefully worry about that if it happens. So, but uh, I think we're quite a few uh, chess moves away from that being a reality. This is a podcast, man. We can talk about shit like that. That's true. That's true. I mean, either way, I just really hope Sean Payton just starts Trevor Simeon and then do what we used to do with Taysom. And like, you can even bring him in on what used to make me want to kill myself on third down at like the 50. Bring him in. Let him do that snap instead of Drew Brees at the time or the Simeon this time. But like, you can still run that exact same offense we were running in 2018 and 2019 but if you start Taysom you absolutely cannot do the inverse with Trevor Simeon so like that trade-off doesn't make sense to me yeah you know what I mean like you just have Simeon on the bench whereas you could bring Taysom in intermittently like we used to do and it's effective because it keeps the defense on their toes whereas the alternative is they just know Taysom is a little bit jumpier and makes rash decisions and they're going to pressure him and he's going to make a mistake and then you can't have Simeon line up like a tight end because that would be ridiculous. Right. So, like, I just, like, but I just know Sean Payton's going to start him anyway. So, like, that's where I'm at with that. <laughs> yeah. Drew Brees had an interesting quote about Simeon. Um, he basically, in so many words, just said that he was brought in because he's really smart and he is, like, Mr. Reliable. Like, he'll go in and execute the offense the way Payton wants it run. And like, I feel like that's all we really need at this point yeah. is someone just to not make mistakes and score enough. And that's that what Teddy happens, was. And yeah, he was perfect. He went five and oh, like great. Right. Cool. Yeah, and Simeon, if, if Simeon went five and oh from now on, be fucking fired up. We'd be 10 and two. He was that's not incredible. terrible as the Broncos starter back when he kind yeah. of came he, out of nowhere. He had a winning record. And honestly, like it was almost a similar situation to where he's at now, where uh, they had a really good defense. Um, and, Except they and, didn't even have an offensive-minded coach like we have. Exactly, they never so, have. So, so yeah, I mean, we'll we'll see. Maybe Tre- Trevor Simeon's are like Trent Dilfer or something comes in and uh, um, just does enough with like a dynamic running back, great O line, and a Super Bowl caliber defense to win a ton of games, but we'll see. And, and knock on wood, but uh, I mean, 
goes without saying, like James's injury was like gutting, devastating, season altering, career altering, franchise altering, whatever you want to say. But we didn't have any other injuries yesterday, not that I know of. Uh, so, um, like, knock on wood, we continue to get healthier, and um, Michael Thomas comes back soon. And yeah, we'll see. We'll see what the offense can make some noise. I would love for us to trade for a receiver. Like, please go get Allen Robinson. Like, rescue him from the abyss that is the Matt Nagy offense in Chicago. Yeah. Like, just surround Simeon or or Taysom with like weapons. Like, he, we need more. We need more than just Traquan Smith and yeah. Galloway next to Thomas. Traquan Traquan definitely had a bounce back game. Uh, and and, and we, wait, we should also like acknowledge. Traquan had a pretty solid game yesterday, especially given how poorly he played at Seattle uh, last Monday. And uh, we definitely let him hear, hear it. So um, kudos to you, Traquan. Uh, but that being said, if we could get a better upgrade at, at number two receiver, we, we probably should. So, No, I really um, don't think we're going to trade no. overnight. No, so definitely not. It's just it's making no. do with what we have, which we've done. We've shown yeah. we can do it. So yeah, that's what uh, Cam Cam Jordan said in his in his press conference. Like this is just what this team does. I mean, at this point, the defense is used to having to step up and, and carry um, an offense with a shaky quarterback situation um, the last few seasons. So um, saying their first rodeo, and uh, I think the defense is up for the challenge. It's pretty exciting. Cam Jordan, fan of uh, Mobile Suit Gundam, Iron Blooded Orphans. Oh you know, when, when athletes say they're like anime fans, it's always like Naruto or One Piece or something like really generic that like every kid ever has seen. But when somebody's wearing a Gundam shirt, you know they have good taste in anime. So good on you, Cam. You're my hero. Maybe one day we can talk about anime together. Um, I wish I probably. knew when I ran into him at CBS three years ago to talk to him about anime for you. Oh, you missed a golden opportunity. I ran up to Mike. I was like, what do I do? He was like, literally nothing. Please don't do anything. <laughs> what? Oh, that's, that's the wrong answer. It was Thanksgiving morning and we were playing Thanksgiving night in 2018. We were all there and he was buying monster and golden Oreos. Hey. Cam was? <laughs> yes. I hope he was buying that for his kids. It's a he pre better not be putting that in his body. Pre-game meal I of mean, champions. two right. cans of Monster and Golden Oreos. And I was saying oh. behind him, like, what am I going to say? What am I going to say? Like, what am I going to say? Didn't say anything. And then the cash here, the cashier lady was like, he looks familiar. I was like, that was Cam Jordan. Obviously he looked familiar. And Mike was like, it's 9 a.m. with Thanksgiving. Let's. Let's, let's have some chill. Please. <laughs> So, yeah, the Falcons are in shambles. Um, Matt Ryan got his hand stepped on. It's all mangled. Calvin Ridley uh, basically retired temporarily to or stepped away from the team to deal with his mental health issues. So, you know, hope you feel better, Calvin. Um, But they uh, they have nothing. They literally have nothing left. And. We should, on paper, like roll over this team, but I can't help but think about the 2019 Falcons game in the Dome. It was literally the same weekend. The same weekend. It was the day after LSU beat Bama in 2019, and they punched us in the mouth and won. And like I could see like a similar scenario playing out where we're where we eat the cheese. We're on our high horse. Uh, Maybe the Falcons defense like figures out Trevor Simeon, which probably isn't like that hard to do yeah. uh, if we're being so honest. I, I feel like those two like possibilities almost like are an oxymoron just because the fact that Trevor Simeon is our quarterback, I feel like won't let us eat the cheese. Like I feel like yeah. he's a, a living reminder of the precarious nature of this season and how like tenuous our success going forward is and that the defense has to be locked the hell in to like keep us winning games and offense has to basically do the same because like it's going to be hard to score points so i don't know if there is any cheese to be eaten as exciting as yesterday sunday bucks win was um maybe maybe i'm wrong 
but I think the team is going to be focused. And if we lose games going forward, it's just going to be because our offense like can't do anything. Or Not make because, mistakes. yeah, 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 or yes, turnovers. or makes yes, exactly turnovers. Um, but not because like the team is just like not focused. I know sometimes that can basically be the same thing, but um, I don't know how many trap games we're gonna have going forward because uh, we're, we're in the trap right now. <laughs> I really, really hope you're right because, like, if fucking Cyril Grayson can get behind the defense, like that. Was Russell bad. Gage that could was do the, the same thing. That was such a fucking fluke play, though. Yeah, it, was, it never yeah, caught so a touchdown. Yeah, uh, former Saint, former LSU track star. Uh, you're also dead to us because now you play for the Bucks. Yeah, I feel like all we need to do is just like make sure Marshawn Lattimore is focused and that he can shut down Kyle Pitts, and yeah. then like I'm more than confident that Roby and Adebo can handle. Yeah, Russell Gage and score Daryl Patterson, fantasy superstar. Yeah, like they don't have a great run game. Like I, no, no. Like I'm I, not knock on wood. I just feel like we've we've seen this movie yeah. before. I feel like we'll be prepared. It's the same thing as when we played them last year, twice in four weeks, where we were like injured and really trying to play for the division. Like we fucking showed up and won both it's kind of how i feel about it um dare we make any predictions for next week uh because you know our predictions are so accurate i say let's do bucks i'm sorry saints Mm. 20 that prediction will definitely be wrong because the bucks are off show up yeah uh (laughs) saints 20 falcons 10 i'm going 24 to nine Saints. Solid. I think we're just gonna stifle the fuck out of their offense. Yeah. Lots of Maybe have a defensive on. score. Uh, just to be different, I'm gonna predict Saints win sixty-two to three. Perfect. And then <laughs> you throw Ingram up a sixty scored, lobster with Smith. Mark Mark Ingram scores four times on the ground. Wow, that's my official prediction. It's Ooh. definitely happening. And he's gonna—is he gonna break uh, Deuce's record against? Yes, against the Falcons yes. in the dome. Ingram, well, he's what is he like sixty something yards away from mm-hmm. breaking Deuce's record? I feel like yeah. Peyton will make sure that happens. That'll be epic. I'm excited for Mark. I feel like we should we should probably talk about this a little, a little more in depth. But I feel like just collectively as a fan base, we've almost like underrated him throughout his whole career just especially given the context of like his place in Saints history. He's already our leading rusher in career, uh, career rushing touchdowns. And um, like he'll almost certainly become our all time career rushing leader. So um, I don't know. He just does. He, he never really like captured the, I feel like, I feel like recently he's become like super beloved, but at least for the first like five, six years of his time with us, he didn't have that same love that Deuce had. Um, maybe it's because like the Saints we, were bad. We winning. Yeah, yeah, and Deuce was like our one good Pro Bowl, like borderline All Pro player. I mean, um, think about it. Peter Thomas has, is was more beloved for a period because I, we won the Super Bowl with him. Absolutely, and like, like way less talented objectively than yeah. both of those people. <laughs> right. Oh. Um, also, but, Ingram uh, was a little inconsistent until this like 2017 like rebirth of the franchise you know he was a rookie in 2011 he really only had one good game other than that he sort of just like ran into the backs of our guards and we used to call him two yard mark i remember that but like there was another year in like 2014 or something where he got hurt in like the first game and like didn't play much it really wasn't until camara showed up that he started to like consistently play well yeah, that yeah. and that's kind of ironic, actually. When you think about it, that like it took us bringing in like a like a hidden gym third round running back for our. But that those like, years were peak like dual headed veteran like, first round pick. Yeah, yeah, like that was when that yeah. was like you had to have two, and like they did their whole like 
group interview thing. And if you guys ever want to feel the feels, you should go yeah. on his Instagram and watch his, his post after we fucking let him go to the Ravens. Um, but he posted like to get your role on like a whole highlight reel and it's fucking sick. And now he's back. Yeah, it looked good. He made an impact. It wasn't quite the 50-50. Yeah. incredible. But he did make some plays. He did. He made some really big plays, and he really had the crowd in it. Yeah, and, you know, if we're going to go this game manager route with somebody like Trevor Simeon moving forward, players like Mark Ingram are going to be really, really important because we're going to have to establish the run. Also, and, uh, I know that, we also need leaders in the locker room. Yeah, we definitely need leaders in the locker room. But I will say, <laughs> the throws, like the throw to Kevin White, was like a really fucking good throw. Like I feel like he can all he can make farther throws downfield than we're used we were used to seeing for the past two years. Should we yeah. need to throw it? I don't think we should plan for those to happen every single game, but we know that they can happen, which is good. Whereas the last two years with Drew, we knew that they couldn't happen. We had to like plan around it. It's a valid point. His arm is definitely stronger than whatever was, whatever Attached dusty to Drew's uh, body. <laughs> also, tendons. he kind of looks like cousin Greg, which I appreciate. He does. In good hands. Or as Greg might say, we we might we may or may not be in good hands. Yeah. <laughs> we True. maybe might be in good hands. Doesn't want to incriminate himself. No. Um, all right. Well, before we get out of here, Sean, why don't you hit us with that sweet Hornitos ad read? I think they're still our sponsor. They better. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, um, a little, a little more somber today, but let's all raise a glass of Hornitos, Hornitos tequila for Jameis Winston, you know, um, gave it his all. And, uh, left his heart on the field and um, here's to hoping that he bounces back and finds joy in a sport that uh, it's so apparent that he loves um, this Hornitos is for you, James. All right. For Allison Whitlock and Sean Haspel, I'm Jacob Krasno. This has been black and gold BS, the irreverent saints podcast from boot crew media. So until next week, who dat? Who dat?